0: Well, amen. I just about said, Dwayne, you may ought to preach this morning. It is, uh, man, it's a great day. Look at all of you. Honored that you are here um, and you're a blessing to me. It's only fitting that we would end uh, this season of life together and it be Communion Sunday. And so I want to share a passage of scripture that comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26. And I want to read verses 17 through verse 30. Hear the word of the Lord. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparation for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad, and they began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we come to this moment in our lives in which a a season of life together uh, is closing and a new season is just a few weeks away, God, I am thankful for the past. I am thankful for the blessings of the past. But, Lord, as believers, uh, we can't focus on the past. It is our calling to follow you into the future. And so today, God, that's what we do. We focus our attentions on that which is to come. Because, Lord, in the future, you're already there. And we come to meet you. I ask it today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. There have been a lot of different interpretations about um, Holy Communion, the sacrament of Holy Communion, that which we're going to share today. Bill, who's also a United United Methodist pastor, he and I were talking before the service, and we were talking about how um, people oftentimes don't understand why we do what we do. And we need to remember, we need to think about it, we need to go through it and talk about it again and again. This has been the case all down through the ages. For example, a long, long time ago, back in the Middle Ages, uh, the congregation of the Roman Catholic Church would, would gather, just like you were gathered today uh, in the sanctuary. And the priest would stand in the chancel area, and he would face the altar or the communion rail like this. And, and the, uh, the whole service was spoken in Latin. And he would uh, present the elements of the bread, and he would say, uh, this is the body given for you. Now they didn't understand him to say it that way. They heard it in Latin, which would have sounded something like something like this. I can't say it. Hostes corpus meum. Hostes corpus meum. Well, see, they had gathered because they knew that on the days in which they would share communion together, that something magical, something incredible was happening up here. And they didn't understand because they didn't, in fact, understand the language, but they came because they wanted to see it. And see, with the priest with his back turned to the congregation speaking in Latin, Hopus Corpus Meum, the congregation thought that he said hocus pocus. And that's where we get that that in our language today. You fast forward just a few years uh, back in Scotland during the the time of the Protestant Revolution. And the minister would come and part of the ceremony was uh, that the elders of the church would bring in the communion elements. And he, in his prayer, would say, as the elders of the church bring in the communion elements. And this one little boy was sitting about halfway back. And when he heard what the priest said to his excitement, he jumped up and he looked and he put his hands on the back of the uh, the rail, the hem rail there. And he, he stood there looking, waiting for the doors to open. Because, see, he thought he heard the minister say, the communion elephants and not the communion elements. And so there he said, his mother, he was so excited, he was standing on the back of the pew, was what I was trying to say a minute ago, facing the doors, and she quickly tried to turn him around to get him to sit down. And in his excitement, he said the words that everyone could hear. No, Mom, I want to see the communion elephants when they come in. One of my favorite stories, though, has to do with me and my younger brother. We, um, my dad's first church was a, a Church in Potts Camp, Mississippi. Now, you probably don't know where that is. That's just about an hour or so south of Memphis, Tennessee. And right after Emory uh, University, when my dad graduated, we moved to Potts Camp. Now, if you lived in Potts Camp, it was called Potts Camp, Mississippi. My dad had four churches that he preached at uh, on a weekly basis, and in, a, in the church in Potts Camp, the main church, I guess you could say, we were having, it was communion Sunday, much like it is here, and we came to the communion rail, and my mom would sit, bet- get between us, she, I don't know why she would do that, but she kneel between my brother and I, we were at a rail on this side of the church, just like it is today, and my dad and one of the elders of the church, they would take the gold, um, tray that we put the little communion cups in and they would come down the aisle and got finished and he was just about to start to the other side when my little brother who was just barely in kindergarten and I was in the first grade, he looked around at me and held up his cup and said, cheers, Jody, cheers. <laughs> Some of the church members asked him where he had heard such a thing, he said, oh, I heard it from my parents, so they, <laughs> isn't that how they do us, you know. But today, communion is not the entrance, the exciting entrance of the communion elephants. It's not some magical uh, event that takes place because of a wizard. And it's not the festivities of a raising of the glass and saying cheers. If we really want to know what communion is all about, then we would turn to the scripture that we read this morning from Matthew's gospel. It's there that... We find the meaning of what communion is all about. This is what the scripture says. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and he said, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant poured out for you and for many. For the forgiveness of sins. And we generally stop there, but Jesus said one more thing that is vitally important for us today. He said, Drink from it, all of you. Excuse me. He said, I tell you the truth. I will not drink from this fruit, from the fruit of the vine, from now until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. You see, in those three verses hold two actions that we need to understand this morning and that we need to grab a hold of it and we need to gather into our own hearts and minds as we prepare ourselves to come and to receive the communion elements for ourselves see we don't take communion we receive communion and this morning as we come there are two things that we need to do as we need to look back we need to remember what Christ has done for us and we also need to look forward you know, as Christians, we always have a hope in the future. Today, let's begin by looking back. You see, it's important that we look back. It's important that we understand that the cross is not just something that hangs in our churches or is placed on the communion rail or on our pews or things that we wear around our neck. But the cross, in fact, for us is a symbol of what Christ has done for us isn't that what we say of what Christ has done for us? aren't you excited today that Christ has died on a cross he shed his blood and he rose again for you and for me today that we are not governed by our past but we are in fact given a hope and a future see I'm excited about that today I don't know about you I'm glad to know that I'm not held captive by those things that I have done or did. Amen? That we uh, don't have to be dictated. Our future is not uh, determined on what has happened, but it's determined on what will happen. When I was, again, when I was younger, growing up in the United Methodist Church, we had a liturgy that was um, uh, in in a communion service that was very somber. And some of you may remember that. A service like this. We started off, it was called a memorial. It was the the memorial of Christ. and It was again a ritual that focused on our sins and what we had done wrong and all of those kind of things. And it's important that we understand that we are what sinners and we are in need of salvation and we can't save ourselves. We need a Savior in order to do that. It's important that we understand that. But at times I felt like this was all that it focused on. The minister would get up and he would say this after we recited the memorial of the precious death. He would say, Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all men, we acknowledge and bewail, I wasn't sure what bewail meant back then, our manifold sins and wickedness, which from time to time most grievously have committed by thought, word, and deed against thy divine majesty, we do earnestly repent and are heartily sorrow." For all these our misdoings. The remembrance of them is grievous unto us. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. And then we would pray the prayer of humble access. It would go something like this. We are not worthy to gather up the crumbs under thy table. And if that was not enough, right before we received the elements, we would sing Agnes Day. O Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. I can assure you that when you got finished with that service, there was no time in which you wanted to look at somebody and go cheers. It was a time of reflection, a time to look back at your life, a time to survey yourself, a time to think about those things that you had done wrong. And it's vitally important that we understand those very things. But oftentimes those services would stop right there. And we needed to go a step further. I'm thankful that the United Methodist Church has changed their liturgy around. And it's no, it's no longer necessarily all focused on the death, but is in fact focused also on the living and on the hope and, and on the future. See, I love a term that we use now in some churches called the Eucharist. You've heard that term before? It, it, that word means thanksgiving. So this morning as we come and we look back at our past, we are reminded of our sins. We are reminded of our shortcomings. We give thanks for God's grace and for his mercy, but we don't stop there. It becomes uh, this time a time of thanksgiving in which we are not only focused on the past, but we in fact turn and begin to focus on the future. What did Jesus say? I won't drink from the fruit of the vine again until I drink it with you, anew, in my Father's house. Again, I am thankful today that we are not as believers, as Christians, that we are not co- uh, confined by our past. That our past is not what defines us, but oftentimes as Christians, and I, there's not any in the, none of you, are, none of these type of Christians are in here. There's some out there, but there's none in here this morning. Is that is there are certain Christians even, who allow their past to determine their future. They allow what they've been through, the wrongs committed, the problems and the circumstances of their life to dictate who they're going to be in the future. Again, it doesn't have anything to do with you, but you know there are people who actually think like that. There are people who actually believe that what has happened means it's going to happen again in the future. And we believe just because there are some believe just because there was war means there's going to be war, and just because there was racism means there's going to be racism. Just because we have hated our brother, that we can't love our brother going in the future. That just because of a particular problem that we have faced and are facing and walking through means that that problem is going to happen and occur again in our future. And see, that is not. Christian thought at all. Matter of fact, theologically, that's called determinism. The belief that life is already ordained to happen a certain way, and there's nothing that we can do about it, it's just going to continue to happen. But don't we live in the United States of America? Don't we live in the land of the free Don't we believe that we can make choices today that will have an impact on our future? Don't we believe that we can make some changes in our life in this very moment, that we can live in a different way, that we can make some new choices and have some new ideas, and that can change the future? You see, that's what it means to believe and be a follower of Christ. see, Christians believe that we are not defined by our past, but we are rather defined by our future and the direction that we are going. A few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago now, I was working on a sermon, and I didn't actually use this, but I I wrote it on my whiteboard in my office. It's there to this day if you were to go down there. And yesterday I was kind of putting on the finishing touches of the sermon, and I looked up and I said, that's the very thing that I'm missing for today. And here are the words that are on my whiteboard. It says, the blood of Jesus covers your past, and the name of Jesus uncovers your future. I want you to hear that this morning, and I want that to be the very last words that you hear from me, your pastor. The blood of Jesus covers your past, and the name of Jesus uncovers your future. Let me tell you what that means. That when God, when God looks down at you, when you have received Christ as Lord of your life, the blood of Jesus covers your sins. It covers your wrongdoing. It covers all of your past. So when God looks down upon you and your life, he doesn't see yesterday's mistake. He, he doesn't see last week's broken promise. He doesn't see that thing that happened years and years and years ago in your life that you're still holding yourself captive to today. See, he no longer sees it. And the name of Jesus has power. It has the power to redirect your life. It has the power to give you a hope. It has the power to give you a future. And believers, let me tell you something. We need to start walking in it. Let me tell you, Give me a, let me give you a practical way in how it helps you. It gives you the power to forgive. It gives you the power to forgive. You see, I, I know that some of us sitting in this room today, we have and are having a problem forgiving someone in our life. And you would say to me, if we were having a conversation, it would go something like this, you'd say, Jody, I just don't have the power to forgive this person. And you know what I would say if you are sitting in my office right now? I would look at you right in the face and I'd say, you're absolutely right, you do not have the power to forgive. You don't have it. You can't do it. Not on your own accord and not by yourself. You, you don't have the power to do that. But Jesus does. Yes. And Jesus, working in your heart and in your life, gives me and you the power not only to forgive but to receive forgiveness it gives us jesus gives us the power today because of the cross because of his shed blood that we do not have to be confined we do not to be held back we do not we don't get to be chained by what was but we look forward to what is to come you see you really can't be a christian and be consumed totally with yesterday Yesterday is gone. Yesterday finished. It is no longer. Guess what is? Today. This moment right now. And your future is not determined by yesterday. But it's determined by how you think. And what you do here and now. See, when we come and we receive communion, we're not honoring our past, (laughs) we're honoring his past. We're, We're not celebrating our past, we're celebrating his past. We celebrate it because we know because of what Christ did, we get to leave our past behind. And we get to make decisions and thoughts and have thoughts and ideas and dream and hope and believe that God, in fact, has a future for us. I want to tell you how thankful I am for you. I'm so thankful for you. I am thankful for five extraordinary years of my life as the pastor of Stockbridge First. I am thankful for you and your opening your arms wide and receiving and accepting this crazy bow tie wearing preacher and his family. And y'all loved us. And you loved me. Even when you knew I was making some big mistakes, you loved me anyway. And you didn't run out. But we stayed the course. And God did some amazing things amongst us. We've seen people's hearts and lives change. We've seen marriages change restored we've seen people who were walking in addiction walk out of addiction we've seen people where they thought there was no hope god give them a a new hope and a new life we've seen a a church when you look around and you see the diversity in this place that we don't see black or white or any other color we just see god's people come together to worship something incredible has happened amongst us As we've got to get a little bit of a glimpse of what heaven's gonna look like I'm thankful today that uh, those songs were chosen for us to sing those are our theme songs aren't they come Holy Spirit have your way in us God you're mighty to save and we all need saving And there are 10,000 reasons in which we can stand and sing the praises of God. If we started counting them, we could even see them amongst ourselves. I love you from way down in here. And I thank God for you. And so we decided we're not going to say goodbye. We're just going to say we'll see you in a little while. How about that?